Hello and welcome to another episode of CX Conversations. This is your host Vivek bringing you CX lessons from CX leaders from around the world. In today's CX Conversations, I'm going to be talking about customer experience challenges and opportunities for fintech in India. India's fintech market is projected to grow north of 2 billion US dollars by 2020. and with smartphone user base leaping towards 700 million users by that time we are going to be seeing some very exciting new fintech solutions deployed here this undoubtedly presents a unique challenge for cx to dissect the cx challenges and opportunities in this hyper growth market i have with me the ceo and co-founder of zest money lizzy chatman There are very few startup founders who are as passionate about customer experience as Lizzie is. When I came across her LinkedIn post where she reconnected with Zest Money's first ever customer, Parimal, who is a Zest customer even today, I knew I had to get her on CX Conversations. One of India's top 100 women in finance, Lizzie comes with around 15 years of experience in financial services. Starting as a financial analyst at Goldman Sachs in UK, Lizzie moved to India in 2011 as country head of Wonga and later worked as executive director at Digibank DBS India before founding Zest Money in 2015. Interestingly, she also co-founded one of Mumbai's first boutique hotels, Abode Mumbai, in between. Through Zest Money although Her vision is to make life affordable to more than 300 million households. She is on a mission to provide credit facility to folks who are generally ignored by traditional credit card providers. I couldn't be more excited about having someone like Lizzie on CX Conversations. Lizzie, welcome to CX Conversations and thanks once again for making the time for this. Thank you so much. Uh this is a topic I love talking about. So very excited to be here as well. Great, but you know what Lizzie, I've been dying to ask this. How did you find the time to start a boutique hotel in Mumbai while chasing this prolific career in financial services? <laughs> Good question. Um I think it was simply a problem that needed to be solved and I couldn't sit by and wait for somebody else to do it. So I was living in Mumbai. Uh I had a nice apartment, but it was very small like most apartments in Mumbai. And whenever friends came to visit, they would ask where should they stay? And the options were just very very um expensive over the top five-star hotels or sort of backpacker places at the bottom of the pile, right? And I felt there was this huge opportunity for just something that felt really homely that felt like a, you know, traditional sort of guest house bed and breakfast experience in the heart of of Bombay um and that's what we created and i'm still really proud of it i think it's a really lovely place to stay feels like you're staying in somebody's house uh and it was a real customer experience project uh yeah. because we wanted to create a very very different experience for guests i think that a lot of people um visiting india find the whole kind of five star experience a bit uncomfortable you know that kind of heavy service layer and yeah. so we wanted a much more informal friendly and sort of family vibe and that's what we delivered yeah wow that's amazing now let's talk about the unique cx challenges facing fintech companies in india so for the yeah. first time in the country's history we've got a humongous customer base that has access to mobile phones with internet connectivity 
And if I'm not mistaken, Correct. these are people who've probably never used computers before, but they are now transacting online using solutions like Zest Money. Now, in your opinion, Correct. Lizzie, what are some of the biggest CX challenges for fintech companies targeting this kind of a customer base? Yes, that's a great question. And you're right. The reason we're so excited about building in India is the fact that today it's about 400 million people leapfrogging, as you said, desktop, laptop, going straight to mobile internet. And nowhere in the world has that happened, you know, as quickly and dramatically as it's happening in India today. And that means there's a huge amount of behavior change you know, almost happening overnight. And we all have to be a part of helping the customer through that journey and adoption. And I would just say on a, you know, a very positive note before we talk about challenges, the Indian consumer, in my opinion, is actually one of the most adaptive in the world. And I think you will see um, the, the most digitally advanced customers in India in the next few years versus many other Western markets. Um, and that's because people here are very comfortable being digitally native and having cheap available data means that they'll always look for a digital solution if it's available and, and try it out. And so we're very lucky in that way. On the other hand, some of the challenges that do come up, especially in our space, which is lending. Um, the first one I would say is quite uh, a bizarre one, but it's really, really critical to our business, which is simply that many of our customers do not believe that they are eligible for EMI, right? Mm. It's so EMI, typically until now in India has been reserved for the relatively wealthy. Uh, you've got companies like Bajaj, you've got all the big banks offering credit card EMIs, but those are really targeted at the top sort of 50 to 60 million people in this country. If you go below that, and I'm talking about people that are earning, you know, between say 10,000 and even up to like 50, 60,000 rupees a month, they have not been targeted before for EMI and therefore they really feel that they're eligible. And so actually one of the first steps in our journey with a customer is explaining that these products are for everyone and that everybody should have access to financing and that we want to democratize that. And that's why our tagline is literally EMI for everyone. But what that means is we can't just integrate, for example, on the checkout we can't just be a payment option that the customer would just randomly select. We have to start talking to the customer much earlier in his journey. And so we work with retailers and e-commerce partners to actually educate and explain what is financing, what is EMI, much earlier on in the purchase decision. So I think that's number one. And then number two is, is the obvious one, which all fintechs will talk about at the moment. And that is the kind of constant evolution in the regulatory frameworks. Um, so for example, you will have followed, you know, we had a huge advancement in the release of EKYC about two years ago. And that was a really, really big, you know, customer experience development. It meant that people could get their KYC done in, you know, literally a couple of minutes online with a very secure authentication mechanism on their mobile phones. And it had huge customer satisfaction. Um, we really, really saw, you know, customer adoption flying when that was released. Yeah. But unfortunately, due to regulatory changes and, and the ruling 
Supreme Court at the end of last year, that's actually had to be retracted. Mm -hmm. And it's such a shame because it really, really helped um, get access into the hands of, of many more people, especially in further away places, right? Cool. And so um, I think that's been one of the hardest things for fintechs to adapt to. We have, I think most fintechs have created uh, various different types of digital KYC now. Um, and hopefully we've, we've not had to go back to the dark ages and do the sort of human coming to the door and photocopies and all that stuff. Yeah. But, um, but it has been a period of flux over the last few months. And I think that's been really tough for, for a lot of fintech companies and their customers, more importantly. <laughs> so what I'm hearing uh, you say is a twofold. One is as a fintech organization or as a fintech company, startups are faced with the challenge of educating their customers because these Correct. are, these are uh, individuals who are enthusiastic to try out new things on, the, on their mobile phones, but they are still not sure if they're, they're kind of there to uh, play around with at least the fintech uh, solutions, yeah, which is, uh, which is one of the CX challenges. And the other one that you uh, kind of brought up is the challenge of KYC. And that could be at one point it was supported through the government's uh, Aadhaar card. Um, and then later retracted for whatsoever reason. But then you've, uh, yeah. I think technology came to, uh, came to use over there and, and all of these fintech companies have built their own solutions. And that definitely is a great customer delight. I have been, a, as a customer, I'll tell you my story. I was so surprised when my KYC was done, like in minutes, I was, I was like, literally, is it done? Are you sure? And it was <laughs> unbelievable, uh, but it does... Uh, present uh, a very delightful customer experience. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so that makes sense. And I'm sure uh, this also presents some unique opportunities. Uh, could you share some of the CX opportunities that you've been able to identify during your experience working in India? Absolutely. Yeah. And it's actually along the same uh, theme, which is basically that the traditional financial service providers in India, um, you know, be it, be it offline banks or MBFCs, have traditionally, again, provided very, very quality, um, high touch services to the super prime customers. So if you're, you know, if you're a very kind of wealthy businessman living in Mumbai, you're going to get a great service from your bank. They'll probably send a guy around to your house to do all the paperwork. You won't need to even use their website because it's going to be quite painful. Mm. For the rest of the market, that type of service level didn't exist, which meant that people had to really be self-service. They had to queue in branches. They had to constantly be following up, calling call centers, trying to get resolution. Um, I'm afraid that the Digital products that most banks were, you know, delivering to their customers, whether it's mobile apps or websites, really have not been up to the mark. They haven't kept pace with the quality of digital interfaces of, of other products like e-commerce or mm. taxi booking, for example. And I'm talking, you know, in the generalization. There's obviously a few banks who have done a fantastic job at building great digital products, but it's not the majority. 
um, and that's not how most people are accessing financial services. So it feels like, and by the way, this is all over the world, not just in India, mm -hmm. but it feels like banks have been the slowest to catch up with the kind of digital uh, experience that customers expect today. And they've relied very, very heavily on traditional operational processes, which we all know have challenges of turnaround time, of consistency, uh, of even things like, you know, working hours, right? You can only contact your bank between certain hours of the day. And that's a really, yeah. really bad customer experience. So I think what that meant for us in terms of opportunity is you really don't have to do a lot to create a very, very wow experience in financial services. And I hope that doesn't sound lazy, but <laughs> what I'm trying to say is, you know, you really have to just go back to basics and think very simply, what are we solving for? Build some very core basic functionality. For example, I'm going to give you some very sort of geeky examples, but one of the challenges in, uh, in lending is people don't like to feel trapped in a long-term loan. When you take out a personal loan or even an EMI, and let's say you sign up for 12 months, let's say you come into a bit of money or you improve your salary, you might want to pay that EMI off earlier. And guess what? Most banks and traditional lenders do not allow that. You have to sit out the full term. And we just thought about that. And so that's actually not a very nice experience. Customers don't want to feel trapped in an EMI. Let's give them the flexibility to pre-close, which is the sort of technical term, i.e., you know, cut short your EMI anytime, no questions asked, no penalty. We're not going to charge you for that. And we didn't just make that a product feature. We actually made it a self-serve toggle in the app and the website that our customers use. So if a customer logs in today, they can actually go to the My Account section. They can either pay their EMI for that month, or if they want, they can actually close the entire amount. And it's such a sort of small product feature, and it doesn't really you know, move the needle in terms of the business, but it gives the customer a really high comfort level that we're never gonna lock them into a plan that they don't want to be in. And I think that's the type of thing I'm talking about. These are small, small product features that banks don't really think about. But if you can offer them to your customer, you can create a seriously wow experience. Um, and then I think the other thing, which actually you mentioned when talking about KYC, but it's been a, a really big opportunity for us is how do we provide things fast? And a lot of people told me when I first came to India, this is a, this is a time rich, cash poor population. <laughs> people have time on their hands, right? So they're not going to value speed and convenience. That's a very Western world concept. Don't, don't come here with your speed and convenience. And I thought that is actually quite a patronizing attitude. <laughs> why? Just because somebody is, you know, cash poor, why, why does that mean they have to wait longer for things? That's not fair, right? And actually, if anything, somebody who uh, does have quite a tough life and is you know, working very hard and maybe working a job with irregular payment and irregular hours, they actually value their time quite significantly. You know, An extra hour or even day here and there waiting for something can cost them more money than it might cost somebody with a more stable income. And so we decided, actually, no, we're not going to take that approach. We are are going to focus on speed and that's because it can be a really big wow factor to this to this type of customer and that is probably the number one feedback 
we get from customers, which is, I can't believe how fast that was. Um, and the way we've done that is very simply just with great technology, a lot of automation, a lot of the processes that a bank would do manually, we have just automated. It's not rocket science. Um, loan processing is no different to processing a lunch order or processing a taxi booking, right? It can all be automated with technology. And we said from day one, we want complete automation and complete straight through processing because that's the only way to give a really, really fast and therefore wow experience. And I think that's been such a great learning. Sure, maybe these people would be willing to wait two or three days for a load application. But guess what? If you can do it in two or three minutes, then they will be evangelical about the service. And that's what's given us um, the levels of customer satisfaction that we have, I think, to some extent. So that sort of focus on speed leads me into, I guess, my my sort of third and final point uh, in terms of the opportunity, which is the biggest opportunity is if you can actually just respect and therefore trust your customer in a in a fresh way right and i think that's what you know i'm alluding to with the the two examples i gave where banks don't necessarily uh look at the customer as as a king right they there's a little bit of a guilty until proven innocent mindset in some banks especially when it comes to lending and so just by having a fresh mindset And by that, I mean a mindset of respect for your customer and therefore trust. Um, You can really change the game in terms of customer experience. And so lots of these things we're talking about, even the product feature I explained about early pre-closure, just comes from a place of respect and trust, right? We we do not believe the customer will abuse that feature. We believe they will use it when they want to, and that's absolutely fine. And so I think... That's, that's really this sort of overarching theme um, of the opportunities we see, which is that if you start from a position of trusting and respecting this customer, you can design experiences and product features that are really wow in this space in financial services. That's amazing, Lizzie. I was actually going to dig a little deeper into this when you said uh, about some of the most obvious things like allowing your customers to prepay their loan. I mean, that's kind of obvious from a customer's standpoint. Why would I want to sit on my plan when I am already willing to kind of prepay the whole thing? And uh, uh, I was going to ask you, why do you think other financial or traditional financial services in, uh, institutions are unable to do that? But you've kind of answered that in, clo- in your closing remarks. So I'm going to move on. So what are some of the ways you are ensuring that Zest money is on top when it comes to delivering great customer experience to its customers? Yes, brilliant. Okay, so let me split it into sort of two categories. Sure. Um, one, is, one is people and two is product. So let's start with, with people. Um, and that's probably the most important thing. And what do I mean by that? I mean from the top, i.e. from, from CEO and co-founders, all the way down every layer of of team in in Zest Money is a passion and an obsession for the customer. And that has been imbibed from day one. It's one of the most important things we look for when we interview people Um, in our sort of hiring guidelines. Empathy is number one in terms of what we assess when we meet somebody. So we need to believe that the people that join Zest Money have a passion and a love for customers and they have empathy and can understand the customer pain points. And that, as I say, comes from the top. And the way that I kind of uh, 
reiterate that every single day with the team is I pretty much every single day wake up and read the latest customer reviews about the product, good and bad. And I make sure that that feedback is shared widely within the entire company and specific actionables will always come out of that. Um, but then we also formalize that process a lot more. So we do things like we make all new joiners spend time doing customer service calls. So people even joining the engineering team, people joining the risk management team, go and spend a few hours with the customer experience team speaking to customers, helping them resolve their queries. And that's the best way to get, you know, a really deep sense of empathy and understanding of our customers. So I think that's, that's one of them. Yeah. Related to that, on the people side, we also force our, our employees to be a customer. We think that's the ultimate form of empathy, right? Mm -hmm. And True. if you are a customer and if you're testing the product and if you're living through the life cycle of our product, which obviously, includes things like you know your monthly statements and repayments etc then only then will you understand the pain points and any of the challenges or glitches that can happen in a product like this and so I think those are the sort of um, you know key key things we do on the people side uh, one, one more thing sorry I've just remembered is um, yeah, yeah. we very regularly have what we call a coffee with customers <laughs> where we nice. basically um, on a Saturday we'll invite a bunch of customers into the office, we make it a really fun experience, and we will use that time often to test out new product features or new ideas that we have. Um, and that's how we get really, really good, you know, real-time customer feedback. Uh, and then maybe one final point on, on people. Um, I am quite engaged on, uh, on social media, um, and quite deliberately so, because I find it's a really good way to connect with our customers. And I love it when customers email me on, you know, LinkedIn or Facebook or Twitter. I love hearing from them. Even if they're writing to complain, um, I always hear them out, get the problem resolved as quickly as possible, and then ask them to stay in touch and give constant feedback. Because I think people who complain are some of the most brilliant and useful customers you have, right? Those are the people that are giving you the most useful and accurate product feedback, and they're passionate. And so they'll give you, you know, full, full lifecycle product feedback. So really engaging with especially the upset customers is one of the most important things I think you can do as, as a CEO of a company like that. So that's on the people side. On the sort of product side, um, we are, as I said, you know, we, we are obsessed with technology. We're obsessed with automation. Um, and that even comes down into things like customer understanding. So we don't just rely on sort of empirical or you know, gut feeling uh, reactions to, to our product. We don't say, oh, I think we should do this because I would like this. Mm. We rely heavily on data and using software to help us understand the customer and the customer journey. So, I mean, I don't want to turn this into a sales pitch, but we have used in the past uh, lots of different software, and I know this is your, your world, but products like Amplitude, uh, Inspectlet, Hotjar, we love these services because it gives you both uh, quantitative and qualitative real-time data and feedback, um, which you can actually then use you know, across the organization, not just for your customer service team, but within product and engineering to get them to really get deep into the product and the challenges. So we're heavily obsessed with um, measuring and monitoring and tracking. We're measuring you know, funnel data, drop-off data, 
24-7 and we have alerts when you see anything going wrong on the, on the product. Um, and across the business, people have KPIs and you know, numbers targets for every stage of our product and, and even you know, platform latency, downtime, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And we measure those numbers you know, very, very aggressively um, and check in on them you know, daily and, and weekly. And I think that you have to sort of combine those two approaches um, to get to a good outcome. I, I remember someone telling me that at Facebook recently, they have started moving towards much more um, individual user studies. So mm -hmm. understanding individual customers rather than just looking at aggregate data because they found that when they just looked at aggregate data in such a big company as Facebook, mm. you can miss some of the really unhappy flows cool. <laughs> if, you, you know, if you just look at averages. So that's what I mean about having that combination of um, you know, touchy-feely people, empathy and studies but combine that with aggregate data uh, from different parts of your, your funnel and your product. And that's how you'll come up with the most kind of balanced view of the customer experience. Wonderful. That's, that's a very, I mean, I can lay that out as a framework, to be honest. It sounds like, so to be CX focused, um, you have to first connect your people in the right way, hire right, train them well, Correct. and keep them focused on delivering amazing customer experience. And then, align your business because for companies like Zestmoney and other fintech organization, your product is your business. So if you don't exactly. align your product with that customer experience view or vision, then your business is not going to be aligned with that. And then having people delivering great customer experience, but the product not aligned with that is not going to be good anyways. So great answer, uh, Lizzie. Um, now I've heard you speak at engagement and your stories interview and other conferences. And I've always found you to be so passionately focused on delivering great customer experience to your customers. Now, while there are very few founders who can do this, I mean, I'm a founder myself. You have so many other metrics to chase. Why do you think we don't see many others be as fanatic about CX as you are? Oh, wow. I don't know. <laughs> That's a funny question. Um, I, I guess it maybe it just has to come from within, right? And it has to come from a space of, you know, why did you start this business? Is it because you want to sort of build something really, really clever and, and you know, have really cool technology or a really cool business model? Or is it because you've seen a problem in the world that you desperately want to solve? And I think founders that come in that second category, mm -hmm. um, they can't help but be obsessed with their customers because your customer is basically giving you the secrets to the problem and the solution, right? And I think that um, maybe as well, you know, we, we used to work in another startup, um, uh, the founding team at Zest. And I would say that at that startup, there was a little bit of disconnect between what we thought we were doing mm -hmm. and what the reality from the customer's perspective was. And I think that sort of um, disconnect exists in, in some startups, honestly, where there's such a sort of cool, sexy story to the outside world, but the actual on the ground reality of what the customer experiences is a bit different, right? People mm -hmm. sort of fall for the hype rather than the reality. 
and and we didn't like that I think mm. as founders the three of us are very sort of transparent we're very authentic we're very genuine we're not very good at sort of uh, you know hype <laughs> and so we wanted to build um, a, a business an entire company and, and sort of culture that was about the reality and the reality of our customers lives and so I think it you know it just comes from our personalities that um, we can't not be like this right this is this is who we are we don't exist because we want to be you know millionaires and and build a big empire we exist because we want to solve a genuine problem for a huge amount of people in this country and and we sort of you know packed up our bags gave up our high-flying jobs in london uh, to come and do this because we feel so strongly about it right we we could have made lots more money doing lots of easier things in in the world but we didn't want to we wanted to do this because we really care about the problem we're trying to solve and so um i don't think we could do it any other way it's pretty simple. <laughs> Great. That's, a, that's an amazing answer. Now, this is a rapid fire round, Lizzie. Uh, so which is the one book you would blindly recommend anyone and why? Wow, this is hard. I have so many books that I love and I'm going to give you a very random one that nobody else will have given you because um, I think that's something that I can do. Uh, it's actually the story of the Four Seasons by uh, Isidore Sharp, who is the founder of the Four Seasons Hotel Empire. Okay. And I would recommend anybody read it, irrespective of if you care or know anything about the hospitality industry, that's completely irrelevant. Anybody who touches customers should read this book because what he was obsessed with was a fanatical, fanatical customer service philosophy from the top to the bottom. And in the book, he describes how he created a culture, you know, of even the security guards being obsessed with the customer experience. And I've read this book multiple times and I've given it to other tech founders. And I think it's brilliant because it's from a different world that we're in. There's zero tech in this book, not a mention of code, but it's all about customer love. Nice, nice. Which one other fintech or SaaS product do you use on a daily basis? Oh, again, too many, right? I think we're all addicted to WhatsApp and Slack and everything like that. But I am going to give a big shout out um, to a product I really love, uh, which I'm sure lots of us are loving at the moment, which is Google Pay. I think um, it deserves recognition because it came into you know, a crowded space. There's a million payment apps out there. Uh, but it tried to do something very different uh, in the in the UX. And I really, really love it and appreciate it. And the reason I love it so much is it's super, super simple and easy to use. And I've managed to train um, lots of people in it, people who were previously scared of using fintech products. They're actually really comfortable using Google Pay. So they've done something brilliant in that. Nice. One customer experience lesson every new journey at Zest Money is taught. Ah, I mean, I think we've, sort of mentioned yeah. this today yeah. Yeah. <laughs> basically customer is god and we actually we say that and we also teach our team that we have multiple customers we have um our retailer partner customers we also have banks as customers but what we tell our team is at the end of the day the end customer i.e the consumer mm -hmm. if he or she is happy then everybody else is happy right so if we can keep that customer happy then the retailers will be even happier because the customers will keep coming back so it's very very simple yeah nice. keep the consumer in mind <laughs> so the customer is god is is the lesson nice. exactly exactly nice. lizzie this has been a wonderful conversation 
Thanks once again for making the time for this and I wish ton of success to Zest Money in the years ahead. I'm sure it's going to be uh, like coming out with flying colors. Thank you so much. I've really enjoyed chatting today. Uh, Same here. With this, we've come to the end of another great episode of CX Conversations. Thank you for listening in. Signing off. Until next time. Bye.